Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. A few episodes ago, we made it clear that I have not seen a lot of movies from 2021. In fact, in 2022, I have already watched more, a little under half as many movies I've seen in 2021. And I plan to watch way more. Um, Movie Melvin is back. That is what we have been saying at home. And then I started playing Elden Ring. So Gaming Melvin is back. Um, But all this to say is I have only seen one other Best Picture nominee of 2021, so I don't really have a good grasp, and I don't think Dan, I think Dan, you said you didn't see a lot of movies either. But my question is, is Coda actually the best picture winner? I hate to, like, let's celebrate. Let's be happy that Coda like, won best like, picture. Literally? But, like, but why? I know, I'm, I'm saying though, but like, we've watched Coda. Is this actually worthy, though, of best picture? I think, I really feel like that's the question that this movie kind of is going to have to wrestle with. Which is unfortunate because I think the movie is fine, but like, how do you feel about the fact that this is the best picture of 2021? I mean, pretty indifferent. Okay, uh, entertain me. I know that indifferent, cool, but entertain me. Like, is why? it better than the movie Crash? If the answer is yes, then I'm totally fine. <laughs> sure. Best yeah, picture. there have been bad best picture winners. The Oscars don't matter. Yada yada, whatever. But okay, right. let's put on our fantasy hats and be like, but was this okay. <laughs> the best picture? Like for the year why would that be a fantasy hat thing because there's function because the oscars <laughs> don't matter so we have to act like hmm okay rewards okay. matter surely surely the oscars are looking at every film across the entire planet obviously even though they don't look at plenty of foreign cinema i don't think any bollywood films it's have been- known they don't even always watch the movies they even vote for so yeah, I've heard about that. And so. also they get scanners that are DVD rips with bad audio, but then they're nominating for mixing. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. That's why movies like <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody went for best editing or whatever. Like, that's just like, yeah. They're watching the movie on one screen and looking at their stocks on the other, or they're watching the movie on one screen and they're watching TikTok on the other. So like, oh yeah, that scene's great. The, the actual reason, uh, apparently the Academy, though they've been multiple concert efforts to rectify this but the academy is apparently overly filled with actors like so like that's why a lot of the movies they win best picture or get a lot of awards are actor slash director heavy and why so many technical awards just kind of get yes like 
That's yes. why Suicide Squad wins for best makeup. <laughs> like, is because like yes, the people Oscar voting. Oscar nominated Suicide Squad. Just <laughs> or no, like, Oscar eh. winner. Sorry. Oscar winner Suicide Squad. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Which is also probably why Coda does, did so well, as the best things in the movie are, I think, the performances. So, like, this is a movie that's going to stand out to the Academy, especially because it has that extra little element. So it's not Leonardo DiCaprio eating something gross. It's uh, 40% of the dialogue is signed, which is good. That's a good. And not just signed, but it's three legitimately deaf actors as opposed to performance deaf actors. As opposed to the movie this is a remake of, which did not have uh, deaf actors portraying the deaf characters. So like that, it has a little extra oomph, little thing that actors will appreciate. Like, ooh, they had to learn sign language. Like people, the director learned ASL, and a lot of people on set learned ASL. So that stuff flies. That yeah, the lead actor actress learned ASL, but also did nine months of voice training because not only could she not sign, but arguably she didn't sing very well. So she had to do a lot of work. To, well, she to clearly do this had movie. like she's a stage actor, so she clearly right. had some sort of absolutely Correct. it'd be amazing if she could sing as well as she does in the movie after just nine months of vocal lessons oh sure but yeah i mean i i, I do, i'm okay with the movie winning best pick not that my sure. opinion matters of course it's it like i was thinking i was thinking about this what constitutes best picture because other than like literally winning best picture because obviously a movie that really really resonates with me might not resonate with everyone. Correct. And there's things in this movie that resonate with me that probably won't resonate with everyone versus like a movie that has a wide appeal and can get the majority of audiences like on board at some level. Like that's why you have these great watershed moments or something like return of the King wins best picture, because Mm -hmm. it's something that most audiences at some level are going to watch and appreciate it and be like, okay, that's a good movie or like even something like parasite, which you know, like there are certain things that might have barriers to all audiences, but everyone can at some level look at that and like concede as to why that one best picture or even some of the older films that get nominated, like movies like Pulp Fiction, well, older, but, you know, or something, even stuff like Rocky, like <laughs> Star Wars was was nominated for best picture when it came out. Like, it those are win, movies, even though it won like nine Oscars, I think nine or eight. I can't remember. And like that's an achievement. It's a, it's a technical achievement. It's a great. Yes. Great film. The fact that still resonates to this day versus I, I don't know if we've ever gone back and looked at like what well, one best picture and like <laughs> like the first five oscars or something they're not things that maybe i would be wanting to go back and rewatch. and i think coda does hit those where you could sit down almost anybody in front of this movie and even if it's not their favorite movie they could sit there they would be like i can see why people like this movie yes. i can see why it would award absolutely yes you know versus some other movies that have won for best picture in the past that's kind of my feeling, like even something like the King's Speech. I remember when that one people were like, that movie wasn't the best movie of the year. It's like, yeah, but like your dad, your grandma and like your high school speech cops could all sit down and watch it and be like, that was pretty good, I guess. That's my feeling on Coda. Like and yeah, it's not the best movie. It's not the best movie I've seen probably even this month, but there's a lot of things about it I like. And what's interesting to me about it is the ways in which it's also not remarkable, which I mean, I'm sure we'll get into as we get into the episode proper, but. You know, I don't know. How do you seem conflicted on this? I'm not necessarily conflicted. I mean, within 20 minutes, I was like, man, this is going to live in the shadow of being best picture because I really feel like the movie's not particularly Ah, great. I think the movie's good. 
And I think the movie is a step above what it is like in that it is like, and this is the routine phrase that everyone's using online, which I think is accurate, but it is like a Disney Channel original film. I had the same thought. Oh my gosh. Um, Did you have the same thought without like having that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, this literally felt like I was watching them. Like the first movie I thought of for some reason was a Hillary Duff film, Raise Your Voice. Is that the one with the lights? That's I don't the one, know. I think that's the one with the lights. I have it. Catherine was for years was always like, "Do you know that one?" And I was like, "I think." She's like, it's <laughs> "You're a movie guy." Crazy <laughs> tragic. She's like, "It's the crazy tragic ending." And then like a year a year ago, I go, "Oh my gosh, that's the one with the car crash." And she goes, "No, you remember?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." But yeah, yeah, it's it is it is the premise of a Disney Channel original film. Where it's, I want to do this, mom and dad. Why Why do you want to do that? Do this other thing. No, I want to do this. Oh, you're actually really good at it. We support you. And then they drive uh, yeah. off to college. I want to do art thing. Family business. Okay, you can do art thing. Dad, I want but- to cook. No, you want to play baseball. No, that's 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 your dream, though, son. Isn't that your dream? No, dad, it's yours. And then, yeah, then, I, then I, he I learns will, how to crack open the egg. It's I will it shout exactly this from that. the rooftops. I have zero, zero problem with movies that are familiar, tropey, yes, whatever yes, yes, term yes, you yes, want to yes, use. Yes, yes. What makes Coda interesting is it shoves three or four movies you've already seen into the framework of a genuinely interesting deaf family drama because there's like... There's, oh no, we, we're trying to like start our local business, but the man was trying to hold us down. Oh no, I'm trying to start a relationship with popular boy in school, but being bullied. I want to be a singer. Like it has all of those, all of these movies happen. And at one point it felt like two movies stapled together. Like it felt like I was watching yes, yes. a lifetime. Very <laughs> separated. They literally felt like two different films and they finally come together as opposed to this conjoined thing. Yeah. And it's, and it's very frustrating. Um, and yeah, so I I was like, I just don't think this is best picture worthy. I think it's a movie that I would go, that was a good one. And then I would talk about it. But there's almost like uh, this frustrating thing where by being best picture, which to me, like, okay, Oscars don't matter. Got it. Like everyone will always say that. And you can talk about the Oscars. And so there will always be that guy, the water cooler who goes, not that there's ever been a water cooler ever. I think water coolers are a myth at this point, but like, I, I've like, had two jobs with water coolers, Adam. All right. Maybe. I think you're, I think this is a lie. I think everyone's just lying. To me. Yeah, um, this podcast is a side up to make you think about it. Uh, my my like, in-laws have a water cooler at their house, actually. What is going on? <laughs> that is the only water, water cooler, cooler that's ever existed. That is the one everyone's talking about. So when we're at your grandparents' water cooler, this is what people will always do. They always go, "What? Don't you know the Oscars is so bad? <laughs> no one ever sees those movies." Huh? So that, like, okay, that's why whatever. I know all the nominees have been in every movie yeah. that's nominated. These are all just made up movies. A twenty four. What's that? Like it doesn't matter. What was it? Twenty seventeen. They tried to do like a bunch of A twenty four movies that nobody saw, and then there were Oscars. I think were like, "Wow, nobody watches the Oscars." It's because we picked our film. So that they did bohemian rhapsody and like black panther the next year the oscars are they are silly i get it okay but they're fun so uh but like what would be more fun coda or dune i think dune would be more fun to see what an award than coda um that's, that's the only other best picture nominee i've seen so that's all i can run with but like i mean best picture to me would would think like it's everything encapsulated performances music creativity pacing themes and and drama and stuff like that and like this film just didn't feel like it was capturing all that to me coda is the movie that we all love because it beat don't look up 
Okay. Yes. Fine. That's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, and that's, that's a good reason. Like, okay. It, it's one of those, well, at least it was a don't look up kind of moments. I get that. But like this movie by the end is essentially like, okay, the family needs her. But then by the end it's like, oh, but she needs them too. But it's like, they didn't really build up on that either. Um, the music teacher is almost cartoonish and it doesn't feel like a cartoonish movie sometimes, but then other times it does feel like a cartoonish movie. Cause some of the comedy was really good, but it was cartoonish comedy then, but also it's playing on the fact that they're deaf too, but it doesn't really creatively draw that out until maybe the last 30 minutes, which I also think this movie has the benefit of the last 30 minutes being pretty strong so that it's making the audience leave. Well, the audience leaves going, that was really great because they pulled out three pretty good, effective emotional moments. I would say starting with the dance, um, the the recital when they do the recital and they kind of like the performance <laughs> is happening. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't remember. <laughs> I was like, all oh, right, they just sing. They don't dance. Well, they kind of dance, but they move. Either way, um, it 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 makes you leave well. So people will go, that was a really good movie, and I liked how they used all the deaf stuff, which they really only used at the end. Anyway, it's fine. But it's not particularly like for me, like I was like from the beginning, I was like, this is a six or a seven out of 10 for me personally. And I get it, though, like other people might be really connected with this movie. And it is really great that it won Best Picture because it's like there's goodness to the representation. Marley Matlin uh, is a deaf actor who's been performing for a very long time. She plays the mother and she's had awards. She was actually the young, not only you uh, may remember first... her from various celebrity roasts on Comedy Central. <laughs> yeah, she's. <laughs> Yeah, the roast of Trump is actually one of them. Um, but yeah, she's she's all over. And so like, great, she's in a film and she does super well and it's got best picture. And she was like, yeah, the performances are all really, really great in this film. But it just it's just really just okay. I I get that a lot of people really like it. Like I'm even scrolling letterbox. There's a ton of people who really, really enjoyed it. And there's a lot of good stuff to it. But even the filming is really flat. It just doesn't draw out like, okay, they're deaf, but they can see. So the film could be more visually beautiful or perhaps like focus on things. Like from the beginning, the film almost seems to focus on everybody's ears as if their faces aren't the focus, but their ears are the focus. People's characters have their ear or or hair pulled back and everything. Like obviously they're working in the fish boat. So fine. Um, But like, it really just felt like there was a lot of things that, are to be wanted for a movie that's going to be getting best picture. And that's fine. Like I, like I said, I didn't want to like rag on this. I don't even know what to title this. Like, I don't want to title this episode best picture winner question mark. Cause I feel like that's mean, like that doesn't seem right. Cause it great. It's one best picture, but it. I think if you're going to win best picture, there's also like, what about it gets it like, okay, Annie Hall got best picture over star Wars, but why? Because it's a good movie. Like Woody Allen, notwithstanding, but like, which is hard to do because he's the central part of the movie. But like the film has really good drama, character, creativity and all these sorts of things. And so it makes sense that like it beat out another movie that created a massive franchise, has tons of other films. Uh, Maybe they had a time capsule and they knew what was going to happen to the franchise. And they were like, we can't give this best picture. (laughs) We can't do it. I think it'd be hard to argue that Star Wars hasn't had a far more significant impact yes than annie hall well <laughs> uh, in uh, impact yes because but i know annie hall of course has had influence on drama films and creativity and sure and stuff sure. but like yes i know what you're saying but all that to say is like yeah it just feels strange like coda to me felt like a movie that would be just an interesting drama to recommend to people but not necessarily i don't know best picture like if i were to if we were having this conversation 
months ago and the nomination list came out and we were to have, and we had seen every best picture winner or nominee. I feel like none of us would have expected Coda to win because it just, just works. It doesn't necessarily wow me. I don't know if you felt that way too, where it just didn't wow you. It was just a good movie. Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S., and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to... expand Cinematic Doctrine. You know this Right, right, right. Yeah, I, (laughs) I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention, you get to tell us what to do. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. I mean, to sum up the plot very quickly... Yeah, because we're like still just talking about the movie, but not <laughs> we haven't even told you what the movie's about. <laughs> Amelia Jones, who's quite good in this, she's really yes. good in this. Uh, plays Ruby Rossi. She is the one hearing member. Uh, sorry, she yeah, she's the one hearing member of her family. Uh, her parents, Frank and Jackie, and her brother Leo. Uh, they are a fisherman family. The entire film is uh, set in Gloucester, uh, Massachusetts. However, she has aspirations of being a singer. She really enjoys music, which is its own little thing that I, I do want to talk about a little bit. But she enjoys music. She likes to sing. She joins choir, partially out of a passion, partially because the boy she has a crush on joins choir. And from there, her music teacher, who is played by Eugenio Dubis, uh, he is a really popular Hispanic actor and comedian who some of you may know for being a Jack and Jill. Uh, he... <laughs> <laughs> I really liked him in this. I know his his character stands out as being the most exaggerated among the yes, characters. But he's still a good character. Yes. And he honestly, to me, he adds a certain amount of like flair to the movie that's otherwise lacking. Yes, but, absolutely. I uh, think one of the best scenes is when they're training at his house and he's like, um, what did you sound like? Did you sound weird? What did that sound like? We have to yes. break down because she has yeah. this ego that's um, preventing her from embracing like getting her past the embarrassment of singing and the fear of singing so he has to break it down and i was like this is great it actually made me choke up a little bit because it's the beauty of opening up uh, of being confident and kind of breaking past that and it's a really like the scene ends and i go to cat i just say to her like that was a great scene that was really good why is there not more of this there's the a movie? couple there's a couple of those like that in this movie yeah I was like, i'd say okay. like there's three or four yeah, really good scenes is- yeah 
uh, breaking out a little bit. And mm-hmm. that's most of it. And then there's all these like little branching things that happen. Uh, there's issues because there's regulations being put on the fishermen, which comes back to bite the family. And one of the things in the movie that I did not like, which I'll get into later, and there's also but the running drama of the film is that as she's pursuing this passion of music, her family really relies on her both as an interpreter and as an emotional support. And as a deaf family, they don't feel like they have much of their own community. So losing a member of the community, even for good reasons, such as her going off to college, would be hard for them. Yes. And uh, but however, she has to choose between her family and her future. She has to the girl in a deaf family has to find her voice. And that's kind of the main drama and thrust of the movie. And all like, yeah, it's all stuff you've seen before and other things. But I do think the elements are all put together here really well. It's uh, the way I describe movies like this is it's like seeing a really, really talented chef uh, create fast food, which even Ooh, even good, if it's good way to put it, you yeah. know, it's uh, it's even if it's something you've had before, it's done so well. Mm-hmm. And it's it does sort of show the difference between, you know, getting a TV director to just paint by numbers versus yes. an artist who really cares about the material. As I mentioned, um, they really reached out to deaf advocacy groups and, and ASL teachers and people on set teaching everyone sign language. And they really cared about the everything that they were talking about in the subject matter of the film. And of course, uh, the thing that really sells the whole thing is the performances, which are great across really the board, stuff. really great. Uh, yeah. The father, uh, Troy Kotzer, I'm not saying his last name correctly. He, I'm totally fine with him winning Best Supporting Actor. He is terrific in this. He has some yeah. of the best stand-up moments. And there is, yeah, like we've talked about, there's two, almost two, all the scenes of the family and the stuff going on with them are all really compelling and interesting. Yeah. And then then you cut back to, you know, Glee, which is happening yeah. on the other side of the screen. And it's just odd because there's this really inert relationship between her and his boy at school yeah no chemistry even though they're supposed to kind of have some and she he even gets a nice thing at the end where it's like a big emotional moment that they're still together at the end though they kind of yeah they kind of acknowledge there's a strong likelihood their relationship won't last her going to college school yeah oh yeah well yeah because he jokes (laughs) so it's like she'll she'll go to college and he doesn't um but like yeah because because the draw is like she has this great chemistry amongst the family and the whole fear is that she leaves the family you have to have this good chemistry between characters outside of it and because there's not really strong i didn't perceive very good chemistry between the two actors the teenagers um that like it's not convincing to me that she would leave her family's strong family unit for him um even though that's not totally at risk but it's part of the risk because she's choosing him over other stuff and uh that's that is a hard thing to do, but in a movie that I'm going to have advertised to me as best picture for the coming year, um, it just seems like something that a best picture nominee wouldn't have, if that makes sense. Like that it, lack of chemistry. It's really strange. It the Yeah, the whole thing with best picture is it, it reminds me of, I don't know if you're watching the movie Amistad, which won best picture. No, I but don't. it's one of those movies that's like, it's going to live forever being played in high schools like it's got this is going to be shown in voice classes or classes about people oh, like glory yeah <laughs> like yeah glory amistad you know it's going to be one of those like king speech getting shown in speech classes probably you know like or any movie that's vaguely historical getting shown in history class during your pizza party you know i i definitely could see this having a feature in that especially when it's on apple plus which is 
relatively inexpensive as of right now. Great. I do not mind if I lapse on that because it's five bucks. I'm like, whatever. Okay. Guess I'll watch Severance. Cool. The there's one thing that immediately st- stood out to me watching this, which I, to, for the record, I have not seen Sound of Metal, which I've seen this compared to. And I know that movie is great and people loved it and yada, 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 but I haven't gone around seeing it. But the whole trope of deaf people don't get music is weirdly pervasive, despite being roundly obviously not true. So, like, I'm sure you've seen those viral videos of people signing at concerts, like at metal shows and stuff like that. Where there's interpreters. Have you seen those? There's that intense woman who's doing Lamb of God. I haven't seen them, but I think, I, but I know about them. Like yeah. there are, there are some concert goers who will, um, or not goers, but showcases that will have an interpreter there. Cause yeah, d- uh, you can still feel the music. It's awesome. Yeah. And uh, there's that famous video. I think it's, it's a walk a flock of flame. Somebody who's at a concert, they think the person signing is like a dancer on stage. Like, wow, this person's got cool moves. <laughs> They're just signing, doing sign language. But <laughs> Awesome. Um, so I actually, I've done a little bit of reading into this, but uh, first off, and I've learned from, I know this is the same thing with people who are blind. Like I have a couple of friends who are, who are visually impaired, but there is a spectrum in terms of hearing loss and blindness and these various things, which is people who are deaf sometimes like, they're not they don't hear zero sound they either hear muffled sound or they hear limited sound or the way that they hear sound is not enough to be considered like fully like um hearing able i don't know i don't know what the terms are for this stuff but um and on top of that as is it's true that your other senses do get heightened to an extent and so some people who are deaf they basically can feel the vibrations and bass like in their skin they can feel in their body and they also can just hear the rhythms of it. And like, there's all different ways which people who are deaf experience music. And mm-hmm. um, I don't I can't speak to the authority on this. And so the there are two main big criticisms from the deaf community towards this film. The first is the music thing, which partially because it's so common, like that so many things like, but like you can't even hear the music. But hey, deaf people can experience music. They just experience it differently. And some of them really like it and they really love music. Right. Um, because the way they experience music. So the fact this movie portrays it as like 100% they can't hear it. The only time they acknowledge it is that they're, um, her dad mentions that he does like the heavy bass for rap music. Yes. But like literally they act like there's there's that scene where they're at the recital and they're just sitting there and just talking about what they want for groceries. And it's just like they just hear like a ringing noise, which if you turn your brain off and go, okay, this movie, it's drama. Some things are not realistic. It's there, but it's so that thing is so thunderously not true that it did kind of take me out of it a little bit. I guess I could suspend my disbelief and assume it is all three of them hundred percent lost. They don't even hear vibrations or whatever. Like they just don't hear anything. But hearing uh, hearing that deaf community specifically mentioned this is something that they are both tired of and is not accurate. Where the they portray the mother as almost viewing her love of music as like almost a direct attack on her. There's that one scene where it's just like, well, if I was blind, would you want to be a painter? It's like, that's a little weird, but I can, I can suspend my disbelief for the most part for this thing. Cause I'm like, okay, like because most people the aren't even aware of it. It's gotta be the, it's also part of like, we have to make a movie and we have to have some kind of drama and overcoming <laughs> gotta have so. something in the movie. Right. So. And like, but yeah, there are like other scenes that are a combination of a little strange narratively. And then also, uh editing wise i found strange so like early on she uh our lead actress is 
just trying to do some homework or just relax in the living room and everybody's being loud. The brother's using Tinder with the audio on, the dad is cooking and he's just being loud. And then the mom's like setting stuff down. And what is their daughter? Like 17? That's a long time for her to be like, hey, there are things that you guys do that are loud. Like, <laughs> hey, brother, you never need to turn the sound on. What's going on? <laughs> just Why turn do you have down. a sound turned on? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not like a setting you ever need to accidentally hit. Like, you could just turn it down. And so it just seemed so narratively, it was just like, let's just have a scene where this happens. And because the movie isn't just about the deaf family, it's about the child of deaf adults. So it's about the unique stress that this child's going to have that the rest of her family can can't hear. And so like you have the scene that you put in so like your audience members who don't get it can go, "Oh yeah, that would be that would be quite frustrating, <laughs> wouldn't it? Interesting. Ah, oh, yes, thank you movie for showing me that this happens." Which is fine. Great. I'm, and I'm sure that even, does happen still. Totally. Like, totally, yeah. totally, totally. Um, but it could have been maybe something where instead of her immediately getting frustrated about it in the beginning of the movie, they could bring it up later on that when she has her breakdown and is arguing with her parents. I even said to Kat, I was like, why doesn't this movie have more arguments? This movie needs more drama. It needs more drama because it just everything kind of just ends really quickly. Um, but before I move on to even that, um, she the the scene itself, the way the sounds are edited sounds so tossed in. They don't sound like they're placed in the scene. Where I'm like, if I had my headphones on, would there be some stereo where the 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 audio sounds like it's in the locations it's happening as opposed to just like layered into the scene? Um, so even a movie about sound or the lack thereof never really focuses on it. I mean, even the quick mention of the shags, which we've mentioned on the podcast. Yes, I was, um, that was awesome. I thought yeah. it was great, but it was also like, like Kat was like, that was a John Green moment where it's like, hmm, I know this one thing about something that's interesting, but they don't really do much with it, which I thought was strange. Where like, because the shags is an interesting well, she concept it to, about to music. connect with the boy from school. You did it to okay, cool, but yeah. like, there's something wonderful about the idea to to hear something terrible, um, like the shags, which inherently makes it wonderful, like. Um, and even like a scene, the kids wearing a King Crimson t-shirt. I was like, what kid is listening to King Crimson unless they're like in internet communities and they want to sound really cool I, and deep. I, I just had a conversation with people where they're talking about how King Crimson was their favorite, favorite band in high school. That's fine. Okay. Everything <laughs> I say is wrong. Dakota has earned best picture. <laughs> I will shut up, but like, come on. Right. Like, am I the only one who was seeing scenes like that? And I was like, there's gotta be something you got to do something more, which to the drama stuff, there's a scene where she is missing dates to record or, or to practice for her um, audition to get into college. And the teacher is very specific. Like you got to be here and like more power to him. Like she, he's got other stuff going on in his life. He makes that case. Like she's like, I was only 20 minutes late. And I, I scoffed. I was like, what? Like you can't say you're only 20 <laughs> minutes late. That's terrible. Five minutes. Fine. Everyone can do five minutes, but like 20, that's That's wicked. Um, and he, and he's like, you've, they, if you, if you're not showing up, you don't care about it. And I'm just like, why isn't she just uh, frustratingly explaining what's happening in her life? And all she <laughs> says is I've never done anything without my parents. And then the teacher kind of does the solemn, I'm an actor. So I have to look like I understand face. And then the scene's over. And I was like, where's the drama? Give me the drama. I want more drama. Like this movie's prime for having it's. It's so balled up, you know, like tension and frustration balls up. And I am as an audience member there because that's what movies are about. I am in the scene with them. 
and I'm waiting for them to release it. And they don't until like the last 15 minutes, which is arguably fine in a movie where it's supposed to do that. But they don't even really do it that much then either. And so it's like, even on its dramatic scale, like it just seems so impotent if if i can use that word to describe this movie and it's really frustrating um and uh, like it's not a bad movie but it's just in terms of best picture like i'm not stepping away going like i don't know come on make me cry what the frick i want to cry that's what movies are for sometimes a safe place to cry and so uh, i uh yeah just i i i cannot step away from the fact that it's best picture which is really frustrating to me even though i I feel mean constantly complaining about it that way. Um, Cause even I, okay. Strip well, away best I mean, picture. I feel like this movie still isn't as great as I think it could be in terms of what it's trying to display. It just seems incomplete, but comfortably okay with itself, which is endearing. But yeah, like I think, just, I think there's plenty of drama. Like if anything, the movie has quite a bit of that is its crux, right? Like, it, there's all a lot got. of there's a lot of things things do develop consistently and yeah. regularity fair 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 uh across the movie. i think i think what you're not possibly not connecting with is that like it's it's very familiar like it doesn't create tension because you've already seen this play out before in something else so you're not actually tense about what's going on like is she gonna be able to balance family and music it's like well yeah like Right, I know that they make a happen. movie about that not happen. You know what I mean? So it's like whenever there is, whenever there's like you're late to practice, you know, whatever. Like you're not worried because you know that this is going to be resolved, and it's not. So it doesn't actually create that actual sense of like tension that you want. Which is where performances and dialogue can fix that. Like I have no risk of things going wrong in this movie. They might as well just be balls in a ball pit. They're never going to break. They're never going to fall out, and they don't injure anybody who jumps in it. But like at least give me some color <laughs> instead of some muted ball pit. Like if I have to choose between a ball pit, that's color. <laughs> what kind of example is this? And what this is muted. really getting away from you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, Tumblr con, let's talk about that. But, no, <laughs> or I don't even dash con. That's what dash they're trying to They were not legally the allowed to call Tumblr con. Thank, thank goodness for that. Um, but it's just, it, it, then if, if I know what's going to happen at the end, which is not a problem. That is not a problem at all. I've seen plenty of movies, so I kind of know what's going to happen at the end. Um, I've seen plenty of slashers, and I know a final girl is going to win. That still makes it fun. But it's how that how we get there that I want to be exploring. And they have the death element, which gets me to press play, and the best picture element, which gets me to press play. But like they don't keep it throughout the movie and that's what's frustrating to me yeah like i want more from these scenes and i can see it in fact there's a scene where she's arguing with her parents and it's her saying like i can't carry all this weight and then it abruptly cuts to her leaving the room and i was like i feel like this i feel like there actually was more to this scene but they just took it out because they're already pushing two hours and they couldn't fit it in it really feels like a movie that just is sort of has more to it or needed to have more to it. And they had to trim things down to be two hours, which is wild to me too. But it makes sense because like you said, the movie's like three movies in one. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I was reasonably drawn in throughout the whole thing. I, I, for me, the performances definitely sold a lot of these scenes. Like I think, yeah, totally. I think your lead um, is really great. And I really felt her like, 
feeling feeling really like in, tied to her family in a way that I don't know if everyone's going to relate to like you know not to get too personal but I do know what it's like to feel like you have to um, be the one that like explains your family to the world where you have to she has to translate for them she has to like uh, defend them she takes a lot of heat for them she gets mm-hmm. made fun of because of them that's something I can relate to like I know what that's like and you you do have to break away at some point and set at some level because Correct. you have to live your life. But you also feel like if I'm not here, these things fall apart. And the movie does have that happen in a way that I found kind of ridiculous. So I'm just going to talk about something real quick, which is I am like, I'm, I'm not an expert on being deaf or anything, but I had this thought immediately watching the movies because some early scenes, I looked it up and this apparently is the main thing that the movie gets criticized for which is there's an early scene where she's interpreting for a family in a doctor's office. And it's a funny scene. And I can see why they wrote it in there. And it's brought up consistently. Like they do it more than like the, the, the crux, the actual point of the scene is used later for some comedic stuff. So it's good. Yeah. It's a good scene. It's a good setup. There's later payoff. It's good stuff. But that every hospital in America has an interpreter on hand. And so this, there's a running thing where she has to interpret for them or else they just, are unable to communicate with society. And that just would not happen. Most places, especially the places, specifically the places they find themselves will have an interpreter on hand where they are getting interviewed for the new, like it's a big scene where she needs to stay because they're being interviewed for the news and they need her there to interpret or else yeah. she misses her music lesson. It's like no new station in America is going to show up without, without an interpreter, without yeah. an interpreter or talk to them about it. And then even if like they were like, oh, we don't have a interpreter handy, it wouldn't be like, oh, these stupid deaf people or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> they would, yeah. And then yeah. there's a later scene where they're like in court and she's interpreting. It's just like this. Does this movie exist in like an alternate universe where there's no such thing as there's interpreters? There's no interpreters. When they uh, when they had, get audited on the boat and she's yes. surprised that they're deaf. I was like, no way. I, I wouldn't said mention that. Because I was like, they would they this person would know. Because the auditor is communicating with the owner of the of the boats and stuff like whatever. What a surprise! Like, like, they a surprise. <laughs> like, like, you know. Could you imagine? And then it's like, I imagine then the auditor would be petrified to be on this boat. Like, I don't know how to run the boat. What if something wrong? <laughs> like, I can't tell them. And it's like, yeah, what the, what the frick movie? Like, <laughs> it's it's odd and it's it stands out. And again, this would be something you should be able to brush off. But so much of the movie hinges on this detail hinges on it and it's best picture you can't brush it off well because it's <laughs> the best it's like, picture thing means almost nothing to me it's just like it just as somebody who's watching a movie i'm just like this isn't what would happen yeah. like to, a, to an extent that it, yeah. again the movie is the movie is kind of hoping that most of their audience isn't gonna be savvy these sorts of things but like again i'm not savvy half the stuff i just like when You're i was talking savvy, about the music thing logical it was well yeah this specific thing though it's like somebody who's lived in society to some extent i'm like there would be someone there interpreting like there's no there's no there's just no way i don't know and but all that these are all things that are i guess points against the movie but where it succeeds i think it succeeds in all most of the places that are really important which is like i really felt for this family like i i understand they have a little tight-knit community they don't feel like they connect with anybody else. And like so much of what their life is being uprooted, like their the job situation where because of the the re- regulations and stuff that's happening with their fishing business, they try and strike out on their own to start like a co-op thing. 
um, and then things go wrong because the auditor is on the boat and sabotages them for being deaf. Very weird sequence. It felt so bad for them. Um, but it's just like, who is this person? Why would you be like, oh, they're deaf? Guess they can't be fishermen. <laughs> it like sabotages them. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, like, that's so strange because there's like, there are. I'm not saying there isn't discrimination against deaf people. Or, right, or discrimination people exists, but like. Ableism exists with it. But they know, have but, that scene of discrimination at the bar. They don't. Like it, it seems maybe this is a real thing that happens. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not savvy to the world of being tough and, but the movie is smart enough to not make the brother a, uh, the brother being the same as his parents. Like the brother is advocating for the sister. And of course, at the end you get a partial revelation that the brother advocates for the sister to be independent because the brother wants more responsibility put on him because he's the older brother. Yeah. Um, but like, even the the film cleverly makes the brother not in complete agreement with the f- the family that like um she's got to stick around like like i liked that aspect of the drama in the conversation um but then the movie in terms of other characters the the harder side characters harder supporting characters being much more singular in one note that it's just in, including i guess you could say the government because they're they're the ones doing the audit um not being creative enough to like yeah have an an interpreter on hand because it would be like forms of discrimination. Like at some point I'm like, this movie should just turn into a lawsuit movie because <laughs> why, why haven't they been able to like, obviously it's, it's a, a, in terms of affording it, but like, couldn't they like hire a lawyer to be like, yeah, aren't we working? Aren't we contracted with this fishing company? Like, why haven't they provided an interpreter for us? What the heck's going on? Um, yeah. I guess the subtext is that, what's holding them back from learning to be independent from is because they rely so much on their daughter, which I, you could argue on behalf of the movie that way, where it's like, well, these are all things that could happen if she wasn't around and they weren't relying on her so much. But, um, but yeah, it is, it is odd that like if this movie took place in a different period time period, I think these things wouldn't stick out to me so much because I'd just be able to be like, well, I guess that's just how it was back in the day. You know, right. this is happening now, as far as you can tell. But, um, I, but to be clear, like for the most part, most of the things they do with the movie central kind of thing is positive. Like they represent this family yeah. as being like any other family. Absolutely. Um, they joke around, they are the mother and father are very much in love. Uh, and the movie makes, takes great points to point out that they're sexually active um, in a way that I actually found to be relatively like wholesome and healthy, you know, yeah, where sweet. they, they, they love each other. And the, the big main joke that got reaction out of me is when they're told that they have to, you know, go without sex for two weeks, they're like impossible. <laughs> like there's no yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, it's nice. And this is, this was again, another thing is pointed out where like the deaf people are being portrayed as, um, full whole people with full dimensions, they right. have hopes and dreams and they're not portrayed as like, helpless neither they like i don't know like portray put on a pedestal where they're like mystical in some way or something which is how yeah. a lot of movies treat anyone with any sort of disability movie disabilities yeah where, where they're, they're like, like power- either yeah. basically angels or they're you know helpless and so this movie does a great job of which i think having a actual people are hearing impaired in the film who and i just read like marley matlin was one of the big forces behind the movie getting made the way it was where she she threatened to not be involved at all if they didn't hire actual deaf people for all the, for all the deaf roles, which is uh, very admirable. Good. Uh, 
And so like that's the stuff that the reason the things we're mentioning aren't holding the movie back and aren't causing the movie to get ridiculed or whatever is everything else is so strong, in my opinion, where the family feels like a real family. They argue like a family does. They disagree like a family does. Mm -hmm. And the central like the real central conflict where there's you have somebody who feels kind of restrained by their family, both because of obligations that she puts on herself as well as the stated obligations that her family puts on her where they need her for the business where she wakes up at three in the morning to go fishing, then goes to school, which is crazy. Um, but you know, so like the fact she's doing this for them and, but she feels like they don't appreciate her in that way. And then when she does have something she wants that those needs aren't being like met and they're not supporting her in these ways. And in fact, her mom, Marley Matten almost feels like these things are attacks against her. Um, that stuff is really good and that stuff really bolsters most of the things. So it's like you put these elements in where it's like a girl wants to be a singer, eh, not much. A girl wants to be a singer and she feels like she can't pursue this because she'll leave her disabled family alone and they'll fail without her. Okay, now you have something going, you know, and that's why I think the movie works as well as it does, at least in my opinion. And like you said, like, I do think it builds really well. So when the, mm-hmm. they hit those final inspirational movie beats they need to hit, they do hit them out of the park, in my yeah. opinion. Your audience left good. They left going, mm, which I mean, good. I, I yeah. do we, should we talk? I mean, what happens isn't surprising. I do think the way that they portray them happening is really sweet, which is so shocker. She does get into Berkeley at the end, <laughs> in case you thought the movie would go in a weirdly realistic direction, I suppose. I will say that her audition, she shows up and she's not as prepared as some other people who have been doing music her whole life. And they're like, you haven't done music much. I, I was like, man, if I was trying to get into a college, I would immediately be like, yeah, because my family's deaf. You would leverage it. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I'm sorry, family. I know this may not be appropriate, but I'm going to leverage your disability. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you got to do what you got to do to get those grants and scholarships. And with and the stuff. characters that they are, I think the parents would be like, okay with that like, oh yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> we totally are you know and i'm sorry is there a question what <laughs> what answer is that like <laughs> to be fair it was just a statement it's like hey <laughs> like why you know do my music do you <laughs> her character had developed to be more confident so it was so strange to me that she wasn't very confident uh, during that interview this I thought that would was terrify me so i was totally on board with this i was like right. yeah i, I would, totally totally fine I but i expected shaking. at least a little more confidence, well, at least at the beginning, and then being yeah. brought down, like a return to what you used to be, and then a lifted back up because the parents are there. I th- I think the way they structure the really sequence, I was a fan of it because you also have the thing where she's not prepared in the way that like other people who've been preparing for birth the whole life would be prepared. You know, she didn't bring sheet music, whatever, and then the fact that the teacher came and made time for her was very sweet. Yeah. Um, and I like the, the detail where he purposely sabotages the initial performance to give her a second chance. And then when she sees her yeah. family, she learns to see signs while singing her Joni Mitchell song, which, you know, it's, it is a little like, it's a, it's a hitting you overhead a little bit short, sure, but I think it does tie all the themes are getting together where she learns to both, she gets, she lives in both worlds, so to speak. She learns to do the things she loves while doing it in a way that includes her family within the context of the movie mm-hmm. i thought that was very nice and then i think the knockout scene really is a scene with her father afterwards yes which is great it's a great scene where he she sings a song for him again but she he like is like putting her hand his hands around her neck and so she can he can kind of feel the song that she's singing it's a really sweet scene and, and it really shows off how great an actor this guy is where in one scene just looking at his face he simultaneously 
expresses where he really understands and connects with his daughter. Like he feels the thing that she feels. He sees the beauty of the thing that she loves and he finally connects with her. Well, also there's this sadness where he's realizing she does have to leave. She does have to go to pursue her dreams. So yes. there's simultaneously this love and loss and happiness and sadness all at once, all in just his facial expressions. And it's really, that scene's probably the thing that got him, got him the Oscar. Honestly, it's, it's really good. And then there's the stuff with the family after. So it's, it's all tied up in a really nice bow. And I think the overall package it's really great. It's on streaming now. I think it's also in theaters currently. I know right after when the Oscar, they put it into theaters. Yeah. Um, Cause that, as I, did, I don't know who made this initial um, observation, but in some ways the Oscars themselves are just a form of marketing. Of course. Where, like, Absolutely. The Oscar, you, you, you get the Oscar. So then you can really re-release the movie as an Oscar winner, you know? Um, but which I, I don't know if Apple put a ton of money behind the Oscar campaign for this, which is partially why I think it, it probably won where they so aggressively reached out and the fact that it has representation and all that stuff really helped it with the Academy. But I think Apple, if they want to exist, cause Apple's streaming library isn't extensive and huge. And they don't have a lot of like known shows or anything, but, but if they want they, to become their own kind of prestige yes. label. I think that could be something they do. Um, I mean, even just a brief aside, I think last year or was it 20, I think it was last year when Ted Lasso started. Uh, early in the oh, year that's right they're the ted lasso people and they um that was kind of their first as far as i can remember their first breakout because the morning show was their best show but it wasn't very good when they first came out um i remember hearing that people were like this is the best one but it's only okay and now i think i've heard it's better like it's getting a lot stronger um, but they didn't have the show to really get people to get their service and the combination of a five dollar i don't know five or five five ninety nine i can't remember maybe it's four ninety nine um, Catherine signed up for it. I did not, but, um, having the low price point and then having a show like Ted Lasso last year, which, um, have not watched yet, but I know it's essentially considered the feel good comedy kind of so- series. Um, but it's so hard for me to watch Jason Sudeikis do anything after Colossal. Uh, cause that was the only thing <laughs> that I saw monster. him in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, cause I know for other people, Colossal was the weird thing for him, but I'd only seen him in Colossal. So it was like, I'm you never like, seen anything it, else with Jason Sudeikis. In no, I just that? haven't watched any other stuff with wow. him. Um, so it was like, so to, 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 for people to go, he's the feel good guy. I'm like, what <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> he's so um, mean to Tim Blake Nelson. Are you kidding? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, 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 um, they didn't really have a show. And then now they're having a couple of shows like severance is supposed to be a really great drama. Um, there's another one they have, um, they had that Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell one that wasn't great, but was considered pretty good. Um, I think I heard that oh, it yeah, just where it's like long. not a comedy either. Is yeah. That... I've heard it's just too long. Um, but it's supposed to be interesting. I think you're the right thing. Yes. It's people. It's supposed to be kind of funny, but it's a really, really dark kind of comedy um it's the one where the uh, psychiatrist is, or psychologist is yeah, taking advantage yeah, of the patient yeah, you're talking about and like yeah. stealing his money or whatever it's based on a true story um with two comedians playing serious roles it's like uh, when will ferrell and Kristen wigg were in that hallmark movie or something and it's, it's not a comedy the only joke is the fact you're watching a hallmark movie with will ferrell and- i didn't will know they ferrell. had a hallmark movie but i know that yeah. he's in um ooh, he's in the one where he hears a voice Oh, Stranger Than Fiction. That's a great movie. Yeah. I, I really was only like okay with it. <laughs> I, I love that. Kind of was just fine. But but yes, Apple Plus really wants to be more valuable, which is great because they don't actually need to be because it's a subsidiary of Apple. Um, you sh- if you want to do streaming, this is the way to do it. 
take my unprofessional <laughs> podcast opinion. If you want to have a streaming service, you have to have something else first. Um, and so they can risk doing this and Apple now officially has pitch. stuff. Interesting pitch. Well, it seems to be I'm like, my brain right now, I'm trying to think of it. Cause it's like, well, Netflix was actually initially like mail red box, like through the yes, mail. They had something first, but Netflix yeah. now is just streaming and it's actually it's kind of a problem. Them. It's because destroying them apparently. Yes. Um, but in case of Apple and Amazon, it is a totally additional thing. Um, even in Peacock, I mean, they've said how like, yeah, we're not putting as much money into original shows because we're making movies with Universal and then we can just put those movies on Peacock. Um, Paramount, I don't know. I think they're just doing this because they got nothing else to do. They well, it's like it's Viacom, you know, they're but, one of the big four. So, right. But yes, having the subsidiary makes it easier. And Apple uh, now officially has stuff worthwhile with, of course, a best picture winner being exclusively on their service. We couldn't even rent it. We were trying to figure out how we're going to watch it. We we're going to rent it on Vudu. It's not uh, there. Can I, can I talk about so, this real for a second? Of course. Go ahead. I, 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 so this month I'm turning 30. I don't know if it's been a uh, point of speculation among our listeners, turning but I'm turning 30 years 30. old. If you want to know why I sound like an old person compared I'm to turning 30 Melvin's uh, youth and whatnot. But um, yeah, so I, I don't know if I'm just getting old and I'm learning some things about myself recently about who I am as a person. One of them is I get very frustrated with like password stuff. I don't know what it is. But like I, the whole, the act of like trying to log into something and it doesn't work just like blows my mind. I just can't handle it. I get so frustrated. And I tried to log into Apple Plus via my PS4. I tried to log into Apple Plus on my laptop. I just couldn't do it because it wanted my Apple ID. And then when I tried to use the face thing on my phone, it didn't recognize it for some reason. I don't know why that is, but it was just this horrible experience. And so I finally broke down and did something I've never done before in my entire life. And I watched a movie on my phone. I mean, I hated it, but I had to do it for the show because I'm dedicated. I've done that before. It's cozy. It's a different experience. I really don't like it at all. I've watched movies on my phone in bed, like all cozy. I mean, I, there's certain, I don't even like watching YouTube videos on my phone. I just drive. The first movie I ever watched on my phone was, I think Batman begins. And it was in, of course I'd seen it before. Um, It was on a drive to like Disney, I think uh, Disney world when I was in elementary or something, cause I just had it on my phone. So I watched it. I really don't I, like it. Like I just, I just don't like it. It's convenient. I like listening to things on my phone. Like I'll listen to YouTube yes, videos on my that. phone, but I treat don't them like, like podcasts. Things. Yeah. yeah. Treat them like a podcast. I don't like, so that's, that's what I'm doing for you listeners. I am expanding my horizons I'm getting with it. I'm staying with it for you kids. Do you have metrics on what, how old our listeners are? No. Have a demographic breakdown. I, I think there's a way to do that through like iTunes specific thing, but no, I don't keep track. Okay. Well, I, yeah. So if, if in case you, you think the young people are listening to us, I'm I'm trying to keep up with the young guys. And maybe that's, maybe that affected my opinion on Coda. I don't know. The fact that I watched it on my phone and partially watched it while driving to my office. Just <laughs> 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 to driving. Now that's the way. To watch movies. <laughs> that is how they. That's how Apple and crew intended me to experience Coda. Yeah. When uh, the movie ends it and said directed by, my wife goes, "That is the most artsy way to spell Sean. <laughs> Sean Hadar, Heater, Hater, S I A with a little. I don't know what to call it. A dash. I don't know above it and then Hadar. So she's. Yeah, anyways, it's Sean. Yeah, Sean. Sean. Anyways, 
But uh, Melvin, would you recommend Coda? <laughs> it's fine. It's good. If you have Apple Plus, check it out. It's a it's a comfy movie, inoffensive. Um, the sexuality in it, because um, I know that you're a Christian <laughs> audience. Um, in some areas, uh, it's very, yeah, it's very, very inoffensive. What's crazy though, it's I saw the rating PG thirteen for strong sexual content, and I was like, "Whoa, really?" So a little. And I was like, uh, "I think it's because a combination of visual and audio." Um, yeah, a little uh, context. The movie originally got an R rating. Um, what? But it, but it was mostly because of the things people signing were saying, because the things they sign are actually very vulgar at times. Yes. And they argue that that was like unfair, <laughs> like, but also it's, I mean, that's just the the movie's forty percent sign language, so they argued it and they appealed it and they got it down to PG thirteen, which I think is more like, yeah, the movie's p- quite vulgar when you consider all the things they're signing, but like, it doesn't feel like an R rated film at all. No. Watching it, it's very tame. Like the, yeah, there's PG thirteen films with that have what I would consider more graphic depictions of sexual behavior in them than this. So. There are PG-13 movies with exposed breasts in them that are not considered strong sexual content. So yeah, no, I, I recommend Coda. It's good. I don't think it's, I, like I said, living in the shadow of that best picture, but it is, <laughs> it's a fine enough film to check out, but it's not, I don't even know if I'd say go out and like seek it. It's just fine. If you have Apple plus check it out, but it yeah, two hours is pretty long, but it paces itself fine um it's interesting enough it's a definitely a movie you can talk about and then i mean like we talk about other movies you kind of just forget about it (laughs) like i really do feel like i won't remember this apart from the fact that it was best picture um but yeah check it out what what do you think dan uh i think the strength of the movie lies in how widely accessible it is in terms of what kind of movie it is that is true that's very strong if you are like at a thanksgiving or family event and your parents are like, what was the, what was that Oscar movie? And you just sit down, and you watch Coda together. Everyone will at least mildly enjoy it. Yes, but one hundred percent. If you've seen every other, I mean, I, if you're a completionist, you've already seen this movie. But it's it's not going to blow you away. But it does have a very sweet, tender story to it, and it does have this gentleness I really enjoy in films. Where, and I do like any movie that helps you to appreciate other people more i'm a big fan of and i think coda does that i think where it kind of maybe doesn't quite hit as hard is that as far as i know most people don't consider people with hearing impairment or the deaf community a community they have issues with or something you know like but in that regard it is also valuable because it's not a group maybe think about much so i think there is something to that where even some of the negative responses from deaf advocacy groups and stuff they conceded they're like but the fact that this is a widely seen widely celebrated movie with a large deaf cast is itself commendable so yes but if the type of person were like everything i just said doesn't matter like yeah but is the movie good <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right great right. i guess socially relevant whatever but as a viewing experience i think it's solid but all of my comparisons to all the comparisons we've made to John Green novels and mm-hmm. and Disney and Hallmark shows, they're somewhat accurate, but it's a very high version of those things. So I, to ask you another question, would you recommend signing up for Apple Plus? Now, granted, I'll mention that everyone has probably a free trial for Apple Plus sitting there waiting for them. If you haven't yeah, it's a seven already day free trial, yeah. but and at my PS4 is offering me a three month free trial. But um, even if you don't have, would you recommend spending the four ninety nine? to see it i guess that's a rental price so yeah if you're checking it out with a couple people why not um but i'm sure there's 
I'm sure there's better, more interesting stuff on Apple Plus than Coda. Um, so sure, sure, that's my <laughs> word. Sure, yep, that is the word I'll use. Yep, uh, but not. I can yes. be feeling I like this a little more than you did. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. I don't. I don't think it's bad. I just think think it was just okay. And then, yeah, in the contrast of being best picture, it feels strange to me. Um, but it's just. Uh, but it's it's an okay movie. I'll probably give it a seven out of ten whenever I get on another box update for it but it's uh but it's not particularly particularly great um but before we go into recommendations one letterbox review that i did see that was quite funny let me get the name for it because i want to make sure i get it right from kyle dune they said glee for people whose favorite movie is manchester by the sea which i thought was pretty clever (laughs) this movie did remind Um, me a lot of manchester by the sea it reminded me a lot of other music movies like soul i was like hey they displayed music well in that why can't they display music well in this or sound um yeah unfortunately the kid that um amelia jones's character is getting interested in also kind of looked like evan hansen so there was some <laughs> unfortunate crossover there which got no oscar nominations <laughs> mysteriously That's right but oh weird <laughs> i i my my comparison to manchester by sea is not at all a comparison to the quality content correct or type of movie it's just more just setting it yeah the setting setting massachusetts setting but um, and there was another music movie I thought of, but yeah. Anyways, uh, character riding bike with music Death does gasm. not make a good movie make uh, or whatever. But um, what do you got for recommendations, Dan? So for my um, my my Christiany recommendation, I'm going to give a big shout out to a Twitter user by the name of Sainted Sinner, uh, who is. I found that there's apparently a great deal of overlap between reformed Twitter and Facebook and whatever and Lutheran Twitter and Facebook, uh, mostly because they agree on quite a few things theologically. So there's a lot of overlap. And of course the reformation, as you might have guessed from the name Lutheran, they're big fans of Martin Luther. And so he was talking about study Bibles and to talk about a genre of study Bible, uh, certain study Bibles are put out by different denominations that specifically, I push is the wrong word, but they specifically can uh, um, adhere to their theological stand standards. You may not realize it, but like if you grew up in AG church, you might be familiar with the fire Bible. Uh, a lot of reformed churches will have the reformation study Bible and so on and so forth. But there is a Lutheran study Bible. And I'm going to make this very clear. It is put out by a specific company. Uh, it's in the ESV. Uh, translation is put out by Concordia Publishing House. That's important. And the Lutheran Study Bible is a uh, study Bible that if you went to a Lutheran church and you graduated their youth group or whatever, you might have gotten one with your name on it. I did not go to Lutheran church. And so Lutheran Study Bible is very standard of study Bibles. However, it specifically has study notes that adhere to Lutheran theological standpoints. What I like is that they actually note them in the in the study notes uh, denoting when it's a specific Lutheran position on something, which I find very useful uh, as somebody who does ministry stuff. I like that they actually include a full lectionary at the front of the Bible, which is really helpful. And it has a lot of great articles. Now, a lot of study Bibles will have articles talking about whatever, uh, but I actually find the articles in this one really helpful as a lot of them deal with ancient history type stuff, which is super helpful. Uh, it also has a lot of the Lutheran points and includes stuff from like Luther's prayer for growth. It includes a lot of their like liturgy and stuff that they hold to. So if you're looking to round out your uh, Bible collection, and also if you're somebody who maybe leans reformed conservative, 
Um, I don't know much about Lutheran theology. The Lutheran Study Bible is a great handy resource for that. And I just like the study notes. I think they're really helpful. And they come from a lot of theologians that don't really read a lot of. Uh, so shout out to Sainted Center. I let them know that I mention it. And whenever we post this, I'll tag them on Twitter. Let them know that I both really like the study Bible he recommended to me and that I also yeah, recommend it on the show. So the Lutheran study, study Bible put up a Concordia. Also shout out to um, Olivia Smith, who has her name written in the Bible. And apparently this was given to her oh, when she graduated. <laughs> and uh, thanks for thanks for keeping it in good condition for me. <laughs> so, nice. That's <laughs> funny. Uh, I'm going to recommend another movie that I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast, but we just can't seem to get around to it. And that's fine because um, it's still going to be good anyway. It's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. I have seen it twice now. I saw it after seeing another great movie called RRR, which is a Tollywood movie, which I may recommend some other time. Yeah. Check out Patrick Willem's video on it. That just got posted for RRR. RRR. Yeah. It's so good. Um, what a blast of a movie. Um, that was my first time watching an Indian film and it was just great. Um, but yeah, everything everywhere all at once. I seen it twice. And the second time I saw it, I actually invited all my coworkers out to see it. It's like 15 people. Cause I demanded to see it in a packed theater a second time. And it was already like three weeks, four weeks into its run to run. So I, uh, so I made it happen. Just a great movie, Man Alive. It is so funny that you'll be crying from laughter, but then it's so well done dramatically that you'll be crying from drama. And it has such a great balance of some of the modern absurdism paired alongside classic absurdism. So like a very Vonnegut kind of atmosphere. Um, But also some of the most creative stuff I've seen in, in a film Ever. I have described it, though, to people as the funniest movie I've seen since Sorry to Bother You, which was like 2017, 2018, which I'm not totally... I mean, it's got some (laughs) very adult stuff, but it's just amazing. Super funny. And then the most emotional movie I've seen since Waves, which is... I cannot even stop talking about it. Um, It is just the best of both worlds for me. It's great. It's also very accessible in terms of content. Um, I think anyone can see it. It's If you're talking about Coda being an accessible one for everybody, like this one despite how crazy it gets and it gets crazier and crazier. It never stops. Um, it's also just completely um, down to earth, relatable to people in, in its absolutely crazy way. Um, and uh, it's, it's the kind of movie that when I left, I literally said to Kat, like, I feel like I want to be a better person. I, I could resolve so many problems in my life. I feel motivated to do it. And it, it is, it's sweet. It's got that common grace aspect that I think so many people like about certain things where like it's it's got so much of the goodness of the world and and of that that god is imbued into things that it it's motivated it's just great it's a great movie um best of the year so far that i've seen and uh yeah so 100 go see it if you can try and take everybody you can to go see it check out the content if you want online um they it's not really all that offensive in any in any respect um and uh it's not spoilers to find out what's in it if you do. So if you're worried about that either and uh, yeah, definitely check it out. Everything everywhere all at once. What's your, what's your, what's your fun? Uh, the movie, everything everywhere all at once is also getting re-released into IMAX or something like that. Too. Really? So. Oh man. I saw it in, did I see it in Dolby? No, I didn't. I wish it would get Dolby cause it would probably be great. Now that is a movie where the audio is also used really well too. Um, I will probably just go see it again. Uh, it's a little too long, but I'm going to give it some space. But yeah, it's it's a good one. Uh, so some of you may have heard of a little show called Moon Knight, which is currently on Disney Plus as we're recording. It's pretty final. good. 
the final episode has not dropped yet. I haven't watched the most recent episode, actually. Me neither. Uh, but I'm going to recommend uh, Jeff Lemire's run on the Moon Knight comic. He, um, It's a somewhat controversial among Moon Knight fans because his arc actually gives the character like a, essentially a full ending in a way that comics don't usually do with long-running characters because they're serialized, they have to keep going. However, to me, that means that his specific run on the character is a full satisfying narrative experience. I won't spoil how it ends, uh, but it is a satisfying ending. So Jeff Lemire took the character and really, for me, he put some of the best spin on it. I do not like uh, Brian Michael Bendis' run on the character at all. But Jeff Lemire's run is, I think you can pick up all of the trade paperbacks currently. It's also on one of the various like comicsology type apps or whatever out there as well. It's a really great introduction to the character. He really understands the psychology of the character, which if you're watching Moon Knight, you know it's important to the character. Uh, he gives all, in the th- comic, he gives, he focuses on three um, uh, personalities he has. He makes them all fully rounded characters. And I can't remember off the top of who did the art, but the art is really good as well. So Jeff Lemire's run on Moon Knight. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.